The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 73 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, Josh Roberts, at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung, at Prime LOL. Hello, hello. And John George, at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? We got the usual gang together for kind of pre our first like pre-world show slash like finals previews i guess uh didn't really have like a we're kind of in between seasons where there's not that many matches to talk about but we do have some interesting ones coming up this weekend uh we also had some big news regarding worlds which we're going to get into in just a little bit we're going to touch on a couple listener questions and then hit the matches and talk about some of these semi-final and final matches that we've got coming up here this weekend starting on saturday so uh i guess we'll kick off with some news right and then we'll get into listener questions um, so, big news this week was that uh, the Vietnamese teams will not be attending Worlds this se- uh, for this season. Uh, the long and short of it is that the Vietnamese border is closed, and the players would and teams would not have been able to get back into the country after leaving it. So the teams decided to opt out. Well, the teams slash riot decided it'd be best for everybody if they just opted out. They didn't want any any legal issues or people getting stranded or anything like that. Um, it's really, really unfortunate because whether we think the Vietnamese teams had a really good chance at doing much in Worlds, uh, they have in the past. Uh, they haven't recently. But whether or not you think they had a chance to do much at this tournament uh, still does you know takes away from the excitement of these teams actually going, these players getting a chance to actually go and show this. And the Vietnamese teams, if you haven't watched Vietnamese League of Legends, it is wild. It is wild. If you watch Brazil and you think Brazil is bloody, the VCS takes it to a whole nother level. Like kill, like kill and a half per minute level games. We're talking here. So, if you want something that's more the true solo queue experience, or closer to your solo queue experience, it's wild. It's like the LPL on steroids. It's crazy. So, it is kind of a bummer. We've had some teams uh, make some noise from this this league before, and unfortunately. Um, they are going to get their prize money, so that's good. So uh, it was going to be uh, – who was it? It was uh, Team Flash and – who it was going to be somebody else, probably Gigabyte Marines. I don't know yet. It's not actually decided yet. No, they're from the PCS. They're from the PCS. So uh, this is the only news we have so far of anything like this happening. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any other issues with it, or we probably would have heard about it by now. Uh uh, kind of surprised. Like, a lot of teams had to sort out these visa issues and these travel issues beforehand. So, I think it seems like everyone else thought pretty far ahead on this. But, I mean, this is kind of out of their control. It's a real shame. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. Like you said, I don't think we really expected the VCS to do a lot of Worlds this year. But it, it's the international flavor, you know, bringing all the teams together and, and having these different play styles and different picks, you know. All these different regions have different things they consider strong. If you've been watching, you know, the LCS all year, 
you're going to think one champion is an auto pick ban, and then you play against the VCS team, and they might not have any priority whatsoever. They might first pick some champion that hasn't been played in the LCS all year. So, you know, it, it just that adds a lot of fun to it. And sometimes you can catch teams off guard with something like that. They're not ready to play against, you know, a Heimerdinger top lane or whatever. They just they're not ready for it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's really unfortunate. I'm sad that that uh that we don't get to see him this year. Yeah, and and like I said, like historically they have had some results. Uh, Gigabyte Marines, most notably, uh, was it three or four years ago now. Uh, Josh, Chris, any thoughts on this? No, I, I just kind of agree. It kind of stinks that we have fewer teams. Uh, I think it would actually suck, not only from a viewership perspective, like John mentioned, just like more matchups, but also like even as a competitor, like even if in your heart of hearts you're JDG and you believe that those teams are irrelevant anyways, like it still feels a little bit tainted to not have the full gauntlet. Um, and it's already like in a year that's going to feel a little bit tainted. Yeah. So um, even from a competitor standpoint, it really seems that they weren't able to, to find a way to replace it or, or figure out a way to get them to come. So that, that, that part stinks. I feel bad for both the players and just selfishly from a viewer perspective. It, yeah, I, it's feel, kind of, I feel really you know, bad for the players. Cause that sucks. You just put your, yeah, but that's what you're shooting for. Yeah. Long. It's like just brutal. Chris, any thoughts on this? Because I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit more because they reworked the format, which we're going to touch on just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because the world is always a, a celebration of all the regions. It's a big thing that you invite those who made it right through the season, through summer, spring. And even if you're, uh, the expectation is low, it's still it gives fans especially from those regions, to something to brag about, especially when they take down, like, a LCS team um, each time. Or even an L- LCK team. Yeah. They have incredible, like, you know, celebration about, like, how this region, what they've accomplished, and just being part of it. And it's a shame that they won't be able to. Um, outside of that, they'll be missed, and we'll see them hopefully next year, and they'll, they'll figure things out for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, this is all kind of we're, we're going to segue into the next part of this announcement, which was that instead of and there, this is kind of the, the debated topic, I guess, instead of bringing in two different teams, Riot elected to just change the format from a 24 team tournament down to a 22 team tournament. Uh, this has a couple effects on things. It's now going to be uh, a 10 team play in tournament instead of 12. So normally the play-in tournament is three groups of three or four groups of three. The top seed from each gets seeded into a bracket. They play, well, it's three. It's four groups of three. Each team plays a double round robin, so they play four games uh, against their group. The top team in each group moves on to a bracket, and then the top each team from the bracket plays each other, and then you get the final two spots by the teams that win. So. Uh, they had to change the format around a little bit this time, so it's now going to be two groups of five, single round robin, and the top team, it's now going to seed four teams into a bracket, so two teams from each group, and the number one seed is going, no, it's going to be, is it three teams or two teams? I'm the one seeds automatically the go one to seeds the get a buy. Stage. They automatically go to the main stage, right? No, I don't think so. I think they're playing for two spots. And then the three and fours play each other, and the winners play the twos. Mm -hmm. They will play the twos of the opposite uh, division. 
the last team will fall out. Yeah, it's it's the one seeds automatically go to the main event. The three and fours play against each other, and the winners play the two seeds, and the winner of that match goes to the main event. Got it. So kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So the the long wrap on the site. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Like, so the the long the long and short of it is, it's they kind of had to fidget around with it and figure out a way to. I mean, I guess the the big debate here is like the whole side selection argument slash should they have added two more teams? So that's the format. I think the issue a lot of people have with this is that it's going to be slightly lopsided, uh, and it's going to depend on how they sort these groups out. I'm trying to look at the seating for this now. I guess I mean we're just gonna, not going to know for a little bit, but people oh. mentioned that yeah, like the LCK and the LEC could be in the same group or whatever. So. Yeah. That's certainly possible. Although no, they just seeded the third LCK team directly in. Oh yeah, yeah. So LCK. that's the that's the other change is because of this new format being an uneven amount of like it's an uneven number. They decided to seed the third LCK team directly into the main event instead of having them play in the play-in event. So yeah, it's a little complicated. There's a uh, if you I'll, I'll retweet the uh, post. I already did actually. If you you can find it, you can find it on the Wall Esports Twitter as well. They uh, have like a big thing explaining the format and everything. So I guess this kind of this kind of started an interesting discussion, and it feels like every single year. I guess we should, we're just going to go into it, but it started an interesting discussion that kind of comes up every year around Worlds time, which is the format of Worlds, right? And honestly, this could be a whole podcast by itself. I want to do just kind of a short, short version of, I guess, we'll, we could do a world's format discussion at a totally different time, but I think we should probably talk about this one and how it's going to pertain to things, if it gives anybody an advantage or anything like that. Or did you have a different solution that you liked? And I think a lot of people have, have you know, posited different ideas for this. So did, would you guys have rather seen them do something else, or are you, are you kind of okay with this? I, I think you could have worked something out. I don't know exactly what that is. Like, I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but I, I think you could have worked something out to get two more teams here, like, and still try to preserve some degree of competitive integrity as far as, like, maybe you say we're going to put, uh, so let's say Cloud9 and the LCK4 team, if that's who you want to use. We're going to put those teams in there. We're going to give them the minimum prize money no matter what, and everybody else is going to get scaled up in prize based on where they finish, and then we're just going to play it out. Because I mean, if Cloud Nine somehow goes on to win worlds, even though they so you know didn't deserve to be there, quote unquote, then they kind of did deserve to be there, right? If they go on to win worlds and they beat the best LPL teams in the world to do it, then you can't really be mad that they were there. Yeah. And most likely they're just gonna drop out early, but they still might create a story or something, you know? Yeah. So I think they could have worked something out to get two more teams there. I was saying before we started recording, I don't care if it's EU Masters teams and. Delta Fox. As long as we get two more teams there, I just want to see more different matchups of cool international matchups. So I think they could have done something, but I understand why they did what they did. Chris, Josh, mm -hmm. my quick take is: given the short amount of time, it's really hard to uh, yeah. rethink about like how this affects competitive um, the competitiveness. I think they wanted something to do to allow teams to have uh, equal side selection. I think that was one of the ideas. But I also think um, if you want, if you didn't want to slot two other teams, it would have to be from the regions, like the EU Masters, I don't, I don't even mind that, but not from the main regions, just because the fourth um, 
the fourth team that were invited, those were earned. The LCK, I mean, the LPL and the LEC earned those four uh, spots. So I wouldn't want this to set the precedent for the future. Too. Oh, yeah. let's just slot two more teams from the major regions in there. Yeah. Uh, things like that happen. So I'll, I'll, I'm accepting at this point. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's been a number of people that have positive. Like, I mean, really, you can make an argument for fifth LCK, fifth LPL, sixth LPL. Like, there's a number of different. I mean, if I think I think the thing that we need to clarify here is that Riot's intention isn't necessarily to have like their only their goal isn't entirely have the best competition possible. Their goal is to have a very good competition. Have a strong and balanced competition, but also represent each of the regions. So, when you have the reason they have that goal is because if you don't have something like that, all these smaller regions just die. Like they have nothing to play for other than like you know their local, essentially their domestic leagues. And whether you think these teams are going to do anything or not, it's important to the health of the scene if you want to keep growing these smaller regions that they harbor and give them something in reward for doing that, right? Give them something to strive for other than just, you know, dominating your local beer league, essentially, right? So... This is a, oh, I was going to say, this is an interesting question, but would you guys... So for me, I want to get Josh's opinion on this, especially. For me, I, I'm one of the few people that I ever hear that actually highly prefers this format. I don't want the 24 best teams in the world. Yeah. I, I, actually, I actually want the world there, the way the World Cup is done. Yep. I enjoy that more. What would you guys think, and they're never going to do this, but what would you guys think if they made it actually one team from each region and added even more regions? Like, they, like let's say when they had the LDL winner, the EU Masters winner, the Academy winner, and just started throwing all those teams in there, but only did one team from each region. So there's like – because that it highly increases the upset chance, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like that could create some cool stories. You know, your LPL team just gets upset in the quarterfinals, and then China's just gone. You don't get a backup Chinese team you know, to come take it from there. Yeah. I think that could actually be kind of fun. It could be fun for like an, I mean, we kind of get a, a taste of that with MSI usually, right? Where we have, I mean, this year, obviously anybody that's new this year, and we have a fair amount of new listeners here, but most of the time MSI is one representative from, you know, the, the four or five major, or it's five usually, right? Uh, they usually invite the PCS team, but I don't know how they're going to do that moving forward, but I guess we'll figure it out. The The mid-season invitational is just first place from the major regions, or the big, the bigger regions, so we kind of get a taste of that, and the mid-season invitational is usually a pretty wild tournament, you know? Like, you, we get some weird stuff that happens there. We see Liquid beating LPL teams last year, like, G2's spiked, I mean, G2 is just good, but yeah, you see some weird stuff there, because sometimes the number one team might only be good against their region. You don't know. Like it's so you get to see a lot of that instead of like the bigger sample where there's a kind of like playing a best of seven versus a best of one kind of situation. So it's it, you know it's harder for a bad team to upset in a best of seven than I just think you'd get some you'd get more moments there. Like yeah. If you think about like yeah. G two eliminated RNG a couple years ago when G two had Hyarnan in them, they eliminated mm-hmm. RNG in the playoffs. Imagine if that was just China. Like China was just gone now. Yeah. And suddenly, like huge chance that you know EU can win the cup or whatever. I mean. I referenced that that MSI. That MSI was literally G two and Liquid. You look, you look back on that now and be like, dude, what? <laughs> After seeing some of the teams last year, that was kind of crazy. So, I, I so typically I'm someone that is I, I just want to see good League of Legends. So 
the best 24 teams in the world format intrigues me, but I also think Worlds is what it is because of you get that flavor. You get a little bit of everything. You get those sin- – you kind of get those Cinderella stories. And, like, I guess I fall into the whole, like, Riot marketing structure or whatever because this is how they market best of ones and shit too. But there is something to that. It's special. Like, it's got a, it's got its own flavor. That's, that's I think, what's neat about it. It's just like the World Cup. So I – I think you could do also do like a separate tournament. I don't know about the logistics of it, but you could also do a separate tournament that's like the twenty four best teams in the world. I'd be cool with that too. But uh What's the Oh good. No, you're good. Good uh, Josh Chris, do you have any uh I'm just saying we have we have that downtime. We can set up another tournament. Let's go. Let's do it. What's the what's the cup in soccer? The FA Cup? Is that uh, what it is? The uh the UEFA the UEFA Cup, the UEFA Cup right? No, that's the, the regional. That's there's two of them. There's the there's like the FA Cup and one other cup. One of them starts at like tier seven. Yeah, and it goes and then, all the way up through the ranks. Yeah, and we should do that at league, dude. That'd Just start fun. every team from every region starts in the tournament, and then they work their way up. It would be funny to watch like JDG playing against you know local team A from you know yeah. wherever. CB Lowell Challenger, CB Lowell yeah. Challenger. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. You'd end up getting these like minus ten thousand lines and stuff like that. That'd be fun. Yeah, I so I don't know, we could go into all this is like a whole off season show to talk about formatting and whatever because I, I actually there's a lot of stuff. I actually Monte Cristo and Thor or Thorne have been talking a lot about this on SI. How like Monty has this idea for the Super League, which I think is dope and would be really cool. It'll never happen, but it'd be really, really cool. The idea being basically you play one season domestically and that's a seeding into a regular season for a Champions League, which would be like a season-long world, basically, where everyone goes for a couple months and they stay in one spot and everybody's playing you know, a 16-team league with all the best teams in the world, so you'd actually get a big sample with all these. you know, good. That's a different thing, but we could go into formatting stuff all over. I still want the Dota format, but I'll bitch about that till the cows come home, I guess. But. <laughs> um, so that's the format rework. We had a couple listener qu- Any Any other comments on this? Uh, I was just going to say, I think uh, it was mentioned a couple times throughout, but I think the point is more to make it more like the World Cup. And so to John's idea of only sending one team from each region, I think at that point, if you're going to get it to that diluted, I would almost rather they just figure out a way to finish up the seasons faster and do by country. And because like the way we, we talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, And I know like it it's, you know, Europe really gets handicapped by it, but I would almost rather see it that way. And because, like, who knows? Like, is the shy going to be just as good if he's playing with not rookie? You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that um, would be be really interesting. And, like, trying to see how they figure out who's going to play on these teams and whatnot. Be like the Olympics. Um, Yeah. Like the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would rather see it go to uh, if we're going to go to the – you know, one team from each format, I think. That are like, uh, what's called, if you've ever watched the World Cup of Hockey, it's like tremendous sporting event. It's like so enjoyable to watch every year because the teams usually end up better than you think. Like the teams that you don't think would be that good are usually better than you think because it's still like the best of the best of the best around the world from that one country. So it's kind of cool. Um, we had a couple of listener questions. Uh, I don't know if you wrote down who these came from, but we can shout them out in the notes afterwards. Uh, first one was, who's going to be the biggest disappointment from each region at Worlds this year? Do we want to just stick to the major regions for time's sake here? 
Yeah, just just the four big ones, I thought. Uh, I guess I'll open because uh, I I just think it's going to be like TSM probably from North America. Probably. This is this, I always hate these questions are so baited because you say it and everyone's gonna be like, oh man, you think that team sucks? It's like no, I don't. It's probably Rogue from Europe, but we're gonna talk about Rogue in a little bit. How it honestly wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't them either. I could see Mad Lions having a lot of rookie nerves. Uh. We should probably just go region by region and do this. So, like I said, I said, I said TSM for North America. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think probably TSM. Um, I th- I do have an inkling that they might come into form here in the playoffs. They are peaking at we, the right time. I think when we when we get into worlds, it's also really possible that it's FlyQuest. I still I like I like FlyQuest a lot, and I think they have a shot to win the championship here. But I still think, like, just player skill wise, they're going to be so vastly outskilled at worlds. They might underperform even if they win the domestic league. I actually think they have better players than TSM, but that's just me. Overall, in current form. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, Josh, NA. Uh, FlyQuest for me. Fair enough. I think uh, FlyQuest. The reason being, I feel like FlyQuest is a team that solved NA. They, they. It feels like in the past, t- people said that about Team Liquid. Uh, that they were just able to solve NA and they can't translate it. That's what Flyquist was. I like think this do. iteration of Liquid is way, way more that like that than last year's Liquid and the year before. I think this iteration of Liquid is way more. We're only good against North America. But I also think I also think FlyQuest is that exact same team. I also think TSM is that exact same team. Yeah, like say, they're just fair, the same team. All, all three the of these teams are the same team. I think all the NA teams are going to really struggle, but Chris, any strong thoughts on who's going to struggle at Worlds for NA? Can can LCS really distinguish anyone at this point? I, I just yeah, that's know. a fair point. For actually, <laughs> that's a totally fair. Did you see? Um, I think it was Solo tweeted something out. Yeah, he said like people are looking down on NA because FlyQuest is like headed. The first seed, right? Yeah, it was something and along those lines. Like the region is this is bad because FlyQuest. Let's see. They didn't expect FlyQuest up there. My answer will be whoever finishes first seed in LCS. Uh, that seems to be a meme too. Whoever finishes first never really advanced that far. What did he say? I think the I think the perception of North America will be worse if we win the LCS. Even though we've played better than all the other teams, and assuming we win the finals, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of he's he's he has a point. Like whether I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that is how public perception is probably going to look at it, right? I feel like Solo owes like his entire career to me. I feel like <laughs> Like if I hadn't bashed him on the gold card podcast, he would just be another retired player. Dude, he, he literally turned it on. Team. He was trash. Nobody wanted him. I said he was bad on the gold card podcast, and all of a sudden he's the best top laner in North it's America. Amazing. Nobody could stop him. <laughs> I feel like he owes me a lot. Dude, he so really low. has been so good too. He has been so good. Like, that's, that's the thing. It's not even like he's getting carried. He's been so good. He's been really good, man. He really has. It's crazy. All right, so how, how about Europe? 
I said Rogue, but uh, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see Mad Lions have to play essentially like their first like real land tournament. But Rogue have a lot of these young players too, so. For me, it's probably between uh, Mad Lions and Fnatic. There's just something about Fnatic and Rogue. I mean, outside of that one year where they got all the way to the finals, and they got experience. That does mean they something. Do. So Rogue makes sense to me. Uh, I think Mad Lions might be a little bit better at finding like strategies to beat other types of teams than Rogue, yeah. but I also kind of think it could be G2, only because G2 is by far the highest expectation of the four teams that are going from Europe. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I could totally see them just like bowing out in the quarterfinals to, like I don't know, LGD or somebody, and... That would be a really huge disappointment. Whereas, like, if Mad Lions doesn't even make the quarterfinals, that wouldn't be super surprising. Yeah, I guess I wasn't looking at it through the metric of who would be the most disappointing, I guess. I probably should be because that's literally what the question says. <laughs> I've been thinking, like, who's the who's the team that's least likely to do anything is not the same as who's the most disappointing. So that's a good point. Josh? Yeah, I was going to say either G2 or Fnatic just because they have sky-high expectations. Like, if either of them don't make it out of groups, then it's burn everything, fire everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. their expectations are just so unrealistic by their fans. I mean, Fnatic is a prime example. They were what the fifth seed, and throughout the entire split, everyone was like, "Burn it all down! Like fire everyone! Get rid of everyone. literally everyone yeah. except, <laughs> except for self-made. Yeah. Like, just everyone's trash. Hillsang's washed up. Whippo's garbage." Uh, Nemesis was never good. Like, yeah, I just think it could easily be them. Like, they just have such lofty expectations in turn or in the eyes of they their fans. They feel like they feel like one of these like major city sports teams that's got just like this insane following. The Yankees or like the Cowboys in football. Like, there's a million you know, there's a million examples from pro sports. It's just like these huge these these big market teams, you know, where their fan base is just impossible to please. You're just never gonna like you just can't. There's no way they're just going to complain. I think TSM is that in North America. I mean, they're... TSM has disappointed far too many years. Yeah, I guess that's too. true. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, NA is actually the hardest one to answer for this because none of them have expectations. I feel like even though TSM and TL are popular, like at this point, it's become such a meme that no one, honestly, no one expects NA to do anything. So then, if they do anything, it's just. If any of them make it out of groups, like, oh, your season was a success or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this is sounding like a high-low opportunity. Just saying. Just a thought. I'll, I'll, I'll plant that seed for next week or two weeks from now or whatever. <laughs> um, how about uh, Korea? Let's do Korea next. Uh, I, guess, I mean, it's hard because so Korea, we still don't know who the third seed's going to be. We uh, Really, we only we only have one team technically locked. So Dragon X is the only team locked. A little piece of me is really happy inside that it was them and not T1, but that's just personal preference. I think either one would have been a good representative. I think any one of these four teams is it's going to be criminal if they don't get to go, honestly. So one of the other three, Elite Four, are not going to make it. So I guess we'll just assume all four make it. We'll say that. Just assume all four make it. Who would be the most disappointing to see exit earlier? Who who would be? Who do you think is going to be the biggest disappointment if all four went? I think it's going to be T one just on expectation alone. T one's a good answer because of their their history of the organization and stuff like that. 
I kind of want to say damn one yeah. for the same reason as G2 is that I think everyone is like they're a lock to win worlds like like not a lock but that's kind of how people are viewing it I think I think most people or, think they're one of the two or three best teams in the world maybe the best team yeah. in the world yeah and I could see them coming I could see them going out in a quarterfinal the same way I could see G2 going out in a quarterfinal even though I think they've played like exceptionally well this yeah. year so I could see them being the, the big disappointment yeah um, I mean, they've certainly created the highest expectation, that's for sure. But I, I also think like that might be just us. If you look at, if you ask like a general, like just someone that only watches worlds or maybe one region, they're going to say T one every single time, right? I think, I think it's Damwon because not only is it just us, but it's also pros. Yeah, like pros everywhere are talking about Damwon. You know, so it's not just it's not just like you know the people who are into it. Um, and watching it, but it's also the pro. So even if you're following just your domestic league or you're just your favorite team, chances are you've heard them talk about Dan yeah. one at some point. They in time. created a third so. way to play in season ten. Like legitimately, they created a non-focus on the dragon, non-scale through the dragon way to play the game, which is just who cares about dragon win the game before it matters. <laughs> like that's maybe that's just because they're the only ones that can do it. I don't know. There's a few teams that are like in that vicinity, but they're the only ones that have consistently been able to do it. But they kind of invented this, like, spike early herald, inst- give the dragon, take two top towers, and just get a massive gold lead and try to, you know, jam it home with that. That's kind of – that's been Damwon's contribution to, like, the overall meta. And you've seen a couple teams trying to adapt that across the world now uh, with varying degrees of success. So I think they are kind of on everyone's radar now. How about the LP uh, – Chris, anybody from the LCK uh, stick out to you? Yeah, in terms of uh, disappointment, it, it's it's either T1, maybe Gen G, because I really like them, but one of them is not going to make it great. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with T1. They have international renown, and each time that they do not finish into finals, it's a disappointment. I'll say, I'll say one more thing about T1, too, is T1 have a high disappointment potential because regardless of who starts, there's going to be a conversation about the closer faker thing, regardless of who starts. There's going to be a conversation about them. If they let both of them play, there's going to be a conversation. If closer never plays a game, there's going to be a conversation. If faker never plays a game. So there's going to be critics all over the place for both of them. Uh, we kind of already saw that in playoffs, right? People were up in arms that closer didn't start, but I mean, or he, I mean, they're up in arms that closer didn't finish that series, but he did not really impress in Emmy's one game, but yeah, another one of these big market teams. They are like the the uh, the Oilers of League of Legends, the '80s Oilers of League of Legends, the Cowboys. The they're the Patriots of League of Legends, right? So, uh, yeah, that was always going to be a conversation there. How about the LPL? Uh, I I think I mean the obvious one to me is Top Esports, and I kind of think Top just have impossibly high expectations. Like. I think they are very good, but I, I think the expectation is so high that, like, I feel like unless they win the whole thing, it's just going to be a disappointment for for a lot of people. I've gone that route in a couple regions now, going with, like, the highest expectation team. But I think for China, I think it's going to be Suning or LGD. I'm not sure which one. I think one of those teams is just not going to look that good on the international stage and just bow out early, like, probably group stage. Um, I, if I was guessing, I actually think it might be Suning, but... Uh, I think Stunning or LGD, one of those two I don't think is getting out of groups, and that'll be the disappointment for China. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, that's going to depend on seeding, too, I think. Because I, I, I think both those teams are very live to top eight. Like, I think they're both, you know, depending on the group they draw, I guess, if 
they get into a hard group, I don't see either of them really getting out, especially LGD. I'm way lower on them than Suning, but I do have some Worlds, yeah, ex- I do I have mean, worlds experience. Just saying. Couldn't Hypothetically, one of them could draw, like, G2 and Dam1. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I don't think we'd expect yeah, them to get out. exactly. So, definitely. But I, I was going to say, the other thing with China that gives them, like, the difference between, like, just having high highest expectation is, like, I think if you're a Chinese team, at this point in time in the league scene, you're already innately having, like, the expectation of, of getting out of groups and competing for the final. So I think that's a little bit different than Korea and NA and even EU, honestly. I don't think I don't think any other region is it just by like name value alone we're like, oh, so you're gonna be competing to win worlds, right? Like and maybe that's not true, but that's what it kind of seems like to me. I think there's definitely a recency bias. Like there's a hundred percent a recency bias. Like there's a lot of people that just automatically assume China is the best league without even watching any games. Like, they just have no idea. They just assume, because they won the last two world championships, that they're the best league. Now, I mean, I think it's reasonable to say that, but I don't think it's, like, automatic or anything like that. But a lot of people treat it that way. So, a lot of people... you got to remember, too, like, a lot of people that watch Worlds don't understand how big this is in China, either. (laughs) So... You know, amplify what amplify all the shit the TSM gets times like you know fifty, because there's like fifty times the fan base there for them. So for like any LPL team, basically. So definitely interesting. Uh, I don't know if we want to touch on any of the smaller leagues because I don't think anybody really expects much of them to do anything. We're going to talk more about the smaller regions. I think uh, next week or the week after. Because uh, I've actually been doing a little bit of research into some of these teams, and I think uh, there's a couple of them that are at least interesting, could make some noise, but I don't think any of them would really be a disappointment, right? Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah not really. Anybody anybody outside the major regions, we're not expecting them to make the top eight, and if they do, then great, exciting. Albus Nox Luna, they did it. <laughs> um, we have one more listener question. Uh, what does the cast look for when determining a team's true power when not just taking recency bias or current win loss into, you know, factoring that in, I suppose, is the best way to rephrase this. I, I kind of took down a couple check marks just Go to start this one real quick. Um, the first four things I came up with, basically they're saying, like, what do you do other than just look at your win loss record to decide if a team is good or who they beat recently? What else can you look at? Um, the four things, I took four notes uh, of things that I always look for. How do they win and lose? So when they're losing, do they just turtle up in their base? Do they, are they fighting at objectives? Do they have a game plan that they're playing towards to some degree? You know, do they know that they're behind and they're playing towards something to help them get back into the game? Or are they just turtling up in the base and praying for scaling? Um, when they win, are they closing it out cleanly? Or are we looking at 40-minute victories where they have to get three barons even though they're 10,000 gold ahead? So how do they win and lose? The second one's how do they draft? Um, are they taking champions that make sense? Uh, the third one goes with that. Are they playing to their draft? If they're taking Nidalee every single game, are they playing aggressively with Nidalee? Or are they taking Nidalee and then farming 300 CS without ganking? Like that kind of stuff makes a big difference to me. So I'm always looking at that. Um, and then I, I said, where on the map did they win or lose versus what seems to be optimal at the moment, which is something that I don't think people look at enough. It's like right now, as a good example, just a quick one on this is, 
mids are outscoring like 80 carries in fantasy right now because mid mid and jungle is so important to how teams are playing right now. So is to when I'm trying to determine a team's true power, are they winning mid and jungle? Is like a first thing I'm gonna is like first thing I'm gonna look at. If they're getting stomped in the mid jungle every game, I don't really care if their AD carry is good. If the general thing is mid jungle is winning all the games, are where are they losing on the map? Where are they winning on the map? And how important are those positions to the game right now? Yeah, I think uh, I'll I'll kind of go reverse order on this. I think to that last point, it, you want to keep an eye on teams that are doing something out of the ordinary and whether that's repeatable, whether that's something that can be exposed eventually over time, or if it's just that they've been you know, facing teams that don't punish that. I, the example I think of this season is Spring TSM. And Spring TSM were, like, they were a top-centric team. Like, they were a top-lane-centric team. They were one of the only ones in the four major regions, really, that was, like, actively playing toward that every game or most games. And it worked for them. It was weird. I thought it was a suboptimal strategy, but it was working for them, you know, one way or the other. I tend to look at something like that and be like, okay, once they face better competition, unless they did absolutely no scouting or film review or, or no make no adaptations whatsoever, they're going to have to show me something else besides that. But So sometimes it's good to factor in, like, those kind of teams can do something because they're doing something a little bit different, catch teams off guard, but I also don't think that's always sustainable. Um, i trying to think what was the second point. Uh, kind of tying your first two together really were – I look at it as like philosophical continuity. That's the way. That's like the way I phrase it. Or um, I'll take a term from like judging, right? Uh, which is uh, they call it clarity of intent. Which is, can I understand what you're trying to do, and does it make sense? You know, is what you're trying to sh- is what you're showing me tied into what your intent actually was? And there's a lot of times where. This takes a little bit more nuance and a lot more experience, but you can kind of see a team's tendencies, and if they're playing... If, if they tend to do something in a draft, but they always play to that win condition, and it's very consistent, and they show that identity every game, and that they're consistent and good at it, then that's typically a team that you can expect to be consistent. It's not just a fluke. It's not just who they were playing or anything like that. They're showing that continuity from top to bottom. Um, that's something I look out for. I look out for like just general execution, uh, general read on the game in general. Like I, I, I tend to think that there's usually an optimal way to play, and that if you're not doing that, then you have to have a good reason not to be. Now, there's definitely ways you can do that, but I, I look for kind of all this stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't really factor in very much. Uh, you can maybe do a little bit of weight on quality of opponent, quality of wins, but I think even those have a lot of noise to them. Uh, and they all kind of require contexts. Like if if you're if you're a team that's a snowballing team, like you're an early game team, y- your wins are probably going to look very good regardless of who they're against. A lot of the time, I just want to see that you're actually consistently winning. And you know whether that's by ten thousand or six thousand, like you know a lot of times that doesn't matter. But you do want to see like make sure that everything's in alignment. That's what I'm looking for. And like, I, the, more importantly than things they're doing good, I tend to look for things that teams are not doing well, like red flags that show inconsistencies. So I tend to take a more like, uh, again, a judging term, but they, they take, they call it a check system or a tick system where I tend to start at a hundred and take points away rather than the other way around. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I tend to look at things. And I, you know, obviously do a lot of numbers as well, but a lot of film review. Josh? 
Yeah, for me, uh, I think all you guys have <clears throat> said all great points so far. Um, I do think, I mean, people who listen to the show have heard me talk about it often, but for me, things is, I mentioned, and that's like, what lane are they playing through? And is do I believe that that, that it's repeatable, the, the way that they're winning? Um, I think another big thing is the draft, but probably, honestly, probably the biggest thing, and it's something that John taught me, but he didn't mention, is gold generation, meaning like, uh, the way John's explained it in the past is like when a team is losing in kills but is up in gold, that means they're good at the game. True economy. And yeah. yeah. And so like if you when you tune in and like I see this all the time, I'll be like, man, it feels like this team's just getting stomped. And then I look at the gold and I'm like, oh, you know, they're down seven kills and they're only one K gold under. And it's just because they found other ways to gain leads, be it by optimizing their jungle camps, optimizing their farm. Um, you know, better back timings, better teleports, whatever it may be. Those are all good signs of good underlying fundamentals for teams. And that's something that's like, there's not really a statistic to track it. It's like one of those things you kind of just have to pick up from watching. But that's, that's truly when you see a team is like very good because they understand, okay, hey, you know, we're getting picked off, but we're still being able to optimize like how we're playing lane. Like the shy is honestly one of the best in the world at this. The shy rarely loses lane, even if he dies three times in lane, which means he's absolutely insane at laning mechanics, understanding trading patterns, even honestly just little things like getting last hits. But th- that's that's probably the biggest thing that makes a team pop off the page. Yeah, to go me. go look at the shy. This goes on an individual basis too, by the way. Like kind of like you were just mentioning. Like go go look at the shy's like gold differential and experience differentials. And look, you can honestly go game by game and just look at, like, just look at his gold score at the end of a game. He might be 1 in 10, and it's not that much different than, you know, him being, you know, 4 and 4. But the games where he gets ahead, it's just ridiculous. It's like a, you know, it's a 3, 4, 5K individual gold lead, right? I think the poster child for this, by the way, is Griffin last year and Dragon X this year. Both CV Max teams, coincidentally. Both teams with Chovy, coincidentally, right? They're not reliant on kills. And I've actually been looking into this a lot. And I'm trying to come up with a, a, a way to consistently track it as a metric. Non-variance related economy. Is a team getting ahead? If a team has a 500 gold lead at 10 minutes and they get first blood in 75% of their games, that's not really... You know, is that repeatable? Maybe it is. Maybe they're doing something to earn first blood every game, but maybe it's just variance, and they're actually probably closer to a 250 gold lead, a 10-minute average team, right? So Dragon X, to me, are like the poster child for this, and they have been kind of all season long, where they don't get a lot of kills in their games most of the time, but their economy is through the roof. And that, I think that's why we all like this team so much and why we keep going back to them, because we see this and we're like, they're doing things right, even if it's not manifesting necessarily, so I think that gives us a lot of faith. They're like a good a good poster child for like what you're saying, Josh. Here's a here's another good example. Although uh, I don't think that this team is bad per se, but I think people overrated them for because of this. Is Gen G? So Gen G, I think, is a really good team. Don't get me wrong, but I think their numbers popped off the page to a bunch of people about their gold like gold differentials per minute, gold per minute. And if you watch these games, I've been complaining about it all year. There's so many games where, like, the Baron's about to spawn, Genji killed two members of the enemy team, and the other three members of the enemy team just throw themselves into Genji and just die for no reason. 
They have so many situations like that that make their gold numbers, their kill numbers, all that stuff pop way off the page, yeah. but it's really not accurate to what they're causing to happen. Yeah. Like they're not making these things happen. The other team, Solheim Prince threw like 15 straight kills into Gen G for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I think D- Damwon kind of suffered from this too a little bit. Uh, like I think obviously Damwon doing a ton of things just organically well. Like they're generating stuff on their own, but you know they're also getting 25 plus kills a game and you're just naturally going to have bigger gold leads when that's the case a lot of the time. So yeah, this is definitely, um, I mean, you, we could go down a deeper rabbit hole on this talking about teams that win ugly and whether that's necessarily a bad thing or not. That's like a whole different discussion. These are, these are good. I got to write these down because these are good, like off season topics too. But Chris, did you have anything you look for when you're determining a team's true power? Basically. Okay, so here's the thing that you all will need to pay attention to. Subscribe to the esports department. You're going to have to pull all of this information together. Josh and John got the stats that will tell you, like, which is illusion, what is consistent. Gelati will tell you what is repeatable or not repeatable. You put those together, and you create a strong BFS team. Outside of that, film... Because the meta keeps shifting, I, I don't have the time to kind of like sit down and figure out what this all means. So I rely on you guys to tell the story from those stats. It changes. You have to look for different uh, who is adapting well, who is playing uh, to the strength of the current meta, who is uh, making, doing well in draft consistently. Uh, the final thing for me in my own way, uh, when I look into film, my own... A uh, way to do so is almost like tennis, force and unforced errors. Yeah. Whoever makes the least amount of unforced error typically means that they, uh, they, they really had to take that fight. They had to uh, do something, and it, it wasn't a, a dumb like a mistake that they made that, ended, uh, that made them lose or made them win. And sometimes it's a razor edge. And a lot of LPL and LCK teams, as you know, has a razor edge a team fight that often ends in a coin flip. Yeah. Right? Whoever got out of that wins the game or makes the makes the game uh, turn. And that can that can make a result look more lopsided than it is. Like maybe a game was really close for twenty five minutes, but the score line ends up looking like it's nineteen to seven. You know, Correct. it looks like a blowout. That's, yeah, that was another. That, that, that's a really good point, Chris. And something that is another thing that I look at is like we all said like how a team wins or how a team loses. But that's a good way to describe it is, like, if two teams there, – there's been plenty of games where this has happened this year. But if two teams are completely neck and neck and then they just go fight for sole point and they lose that fight and get aced, then the opposing team goes and takes Baron and then they march on their base and then ace him again, that's a 10-point – that's a 10-kill swing, yep. right? So you're looking at a, a crazily different ending score than, than the true, like, competition mm-hmm. – and so being able to identify those situations is something else I look at, just trying to be like, okay, like, yeah, sure, they definitely lost this game, but if one minor thing in that fight goes differently, like, you, you know, the, oftentimes it's like someone gets down to 200 health and, you know, they, they thought they were going to, or someone ignites someone and they thought they were going to die and they didn't ignite because someone had heal up or whatever, you know, like, so many little things in this game. Like game you can't over punish a team for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that's another thing I want to, I, I try to pay attention to. Like if there are 
if there are very close fights that they're losing that then make a gold score balloon, like, you know, that's definitely something that you want to be keeping your eye on because that doesn't necessarily mean the team is bad just because they lost that fight. I think the, the force and force errors is a really good point too, Chris. Uh, I mean, for me, like, like a team to me, a team like WE is a good example of this, right? Where team WE for a majority of this season, were not doing a whole lot to, like, for, like especially early in the game, they weren't doing a lot to generate opportunities for themselves. They were mostly just kind of, you know, playing it neutral. They were treading water, and then the other team would make a mistake, and they needed to pounce on it, which is a way to play. It's definitely a viable way to play, especially – I mean, it's going to help you beat a lot of bad teams. It's what most of the North American teams are doing right now, too. And they kind of use Dragon to leverage that. So it's not like it's completely, you know, not an inact- – it's like it's – it's not like they're not being proactive. They are being proactive about certain things, but they kind of relied pretty heavily on opponents making a lot of mistakes, which is why I was not a believer in them getting to playoffs or doing anything in playoffs. So I was like, these they're not creating organic advantages for themselves. It's just kind of like they get a lot of results based on mistakes of their opponents more than, you know, opportunities generated by them, unforced errors. So does take a little I mean you got to look you got to watch the games folks like that's that's the long and sh- I think that's the long and short answer to this right there's not really um just just to go back to that for each of you that said that like does that mean that you like so I'm I'm thinking of just like two different teams here so like Cloud9 versus Team Liquid like the whole narrative was that Cloud9 was way better than Team Liquid basically because of what you were describing yeah so, like, how do you balance that? Because to me, I personally don't care that much about, like, because I think it's, like, another the other team's never going to play completely optimally, and as long as you can find your advantage and take advantage of it, if you're, it's about the consistency of doing that. That's how I approach it. But I'm curious, like, to understand how you guys weigh that, you know, like, those two perspectives. Because I know, Jelati, I know generally you like these teams that are more aggressive and, and making openings for themselves. But I do, like you said, it is another viable play style to just allow, um, you know, to play your game and make yourself strong to the point where, okay, I'm going to let you beat yourself and then I'm going to end it. So how do you kind of weigh those two against each other? SK SK Telecom did this for years. This was SK Telecom's strategy for basically their entire existence. They won three world championships doing exactly this. They were just like, we're going to play good fundamentals and make the fewest mistakes. Uh, they would lose to teams sometimes because they got snowballed on or they got run over or the other team just, you know, they got to super late game where everyone's full build and, you know, at that point it's a coin flip. But they made a name for themselves making the fewest mistakes. Uh, for me, how do I uh, weigh these things? I think it depends on the meta, depends on the team and what their identity is. Like for me, I think right now, in the current state of the game, I don't think you want to be doing that. I think you want to be the one generating advantages and not waiting for them to happen. But that's just my opinion. But I think like a team like Cloud9, I want to see them doing what they do. I want to see them creating opportunities for themselves because that's what made them good. That's what they were good at, right? They're a completely different team. They're not a bad team when they're not doing that, but they're a completely different level of team when they're not doing that, right? John, I don't know if you – like. How do you reconcile? I think class Cloud Nine this season was a good example of this for yeah. me because anyone who follows the esports department probably lost a whole bunch of money in the first half of summer because I kept saying that Cloud Nine was going to start losing, and everyone just kept telling me they were like head and shoulders above everybody else. And the thing for me was I wanted to see them do something different than what they were doing at least a couple times. 
and show me that they could be successful doing anything other than just like Olaf Yumi, get a 3,000 gold lead of 15 minutes, run you down. Because eventually, if you just do, if that's all you're doing, people are going to figure yep. that out. And people are going to, and eventually, even if they didn't like quote unquote figure you out, when you played against higher level teams, they were just not going to lose to yep. that. And so I kept saying, like, eventually people are just going to take the right kind of comp to stop from getting, you know, 3,000 gold at 15 minutes by Olaf Yumi, and they're going to start losing games. And we actually saw this in a bunch of regions. There was a bunch of teams throughout the whole world that started the year super strong and then fell off right about the same time of the season. As soon as the meta shifted just a little bit, it it completely took them out of it. So for me, I want to see, when I see a team like that, I want to see them show me at least a couple different strategies. I don't like teams generally that only do one thing well. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I was, a, I, you know, I was on the other side of the fence with you on this, like all season long for the most part. But I agree with you. Like, you need to adjust. You need to show. You need to show that you can adapt past that certain point, right? I think we were all a little bit concerned about Mad Lions with this too. But Mad Lions showed the ability to adjust, right? Cloud9 did show us some different stuff during the regular season, but none of it was really working for them. So that was the point where you have to start getting concerned, I think. And, you know, we don't want to turn this into a Cloud9 podcast, but, you know. Uh, this is a really, really interesting question. We could go on forever and ever about it. This would also be a good off-season topic for sure. But we have finals to get to. Uh, let's keep this show rolling. We have LCK Grand Finals this Saturday morning. You know, big action pack Saturday this uh, really this whole weekend Saturday and Sunday so LCK Grand Finals on Saturday morning we have Dam One Gaming are minus four thirty five favorites against Dragon X at plus two eighty eight Dragon X have already clinched a world spot Dam One must win this series to avoid the regional gauntlet but uh, and Dragon I mean whoever wins this gets the number one seed. Uh, Dragon X, that was a weird series. I guess we should kind of recap the first series. Dragon X beat Gen G three to two in a fairly controversial series where they were having issues with the ser- the tournament server, so they had to actually move it over to live. I think it was like during game four. It was the beginning of game four, right? And yes, they had to move it to the live servers. There was a huge. It was a couple hour long pause. Uh, went late into the night. There was a, a lot of drama about it. Basically, uh. You could kind of get this kind of thing with, like, land tournaments. But long story short, Dragon X did win. They're in finals now, and we have Dragon X against a damn one that's been waiting for a little under two weeks. This is this matchup's a little interesting to yeah. me. The line feels real heavy. Yeah, I agree uh, I'm with you on that. I think you were going to be with me. I thought you were going to be with me on this one. I don't know if, the, if there's a region in the world where you could give me the second best team at plus 288. Yep in one series against the best team, and I wouldn't take the second best yeah. team. And that's kind of how it feels. I do think Dragon X has a good argument to be the second best team in Korea. Um, I actually I had a bunch of Dragon X lineups when they played Gen G. I thought they were going to beat them. And even though there was some some questionable stuff that happened there, I think there's a good argument that Dragon X just beats Gen G a decent percentage yeah. of the time. Uh, and so, yeah, against the, uh, the second best team in the region, against the best team in the region, with prep time, we don't know what game plans they're going to come up with. I mean... We've had some shockers. People thought Griffin was going to beat SKT last year. They busted out Pantheon three games in a row and got 3-0. Yep. Yeah, I think 288 feels a little heavy. Yeah, on I mean, and what if we, we've been saying this all season long, right? Like these top, really the top four Korean teams can all beat each other. They're all very good. They're all like good. I mean, you could, you know, nitpick and say this team is better. Or, you know, these two teams are better than these two teams, which 
I think we all kind of settled on like Damwon and Genji or maybe a tiny little bit above Dragon X and T1 just because of, you know, consistency. But on any given day, these teams are all good and definitely capable of beating one another. I think this line's like really heavy handed. I'm on Dragon X. I, and it's not even that I necessarily feel strongly that Dragon X are going to win this series. I'm not saying they should be minus 150 favorites. I just think this is way, way too heavy handed, even for how dominant Damwon's been. And I'll say this too. We've seen in the past the automatic buy to finals is can be a bad thing. Most of the time it's a good thing. You get to watch multiple series, you know, maybe at least you'll get to see at least one series from the team you're playing against most of the time, well all the time, sometimes more than that. You get to prepare things blind basically without anyone knowing for a couple of weeks. But we saw it with Gen G in spring, right? Gen G looked incredible in spring split and they came in, they lost that first game, and you could just tell, like, after they lost that first game, like, they were they were just completely spooked and they were going to lose that series. You could, like, literally visually see it on their faces that maybe they, they're just cold. You know, I hate, to, I hate to use, like, that narrative, but we've seen, the, we've seen the automatic buy in this gauntlet format not necessarily always be a good thing. So I think that aspect cooks into this, too. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's too heavy-handed. I'm with John on this one. Josh? Can you remind me uh, which of these teams has Chovy on it? Because I'm struggling to remember. By that that would be Dragon X, sir. Oh, weird. Oh, and they're plus money. Huh. Talk about. By the huh. way, do, you want to talk about an absolutely dominant performance? <laughs> what if you? He said he literally backpacked, bro. He's like, dude, he said, hop in, everyone, hop in, let's go. I said this in the Discord too. Chovy did that against BDD, who I would argue was like a top five or six mid laner on the planet. And he just like body bagged him. It was absolutely nuts. I was like, what is this? Chovy versus Knight. He's is coming, too bro. good. He's right. too good at this game, dude. It's insane. That That is why Lucian's broken. It's Chovy. It's not Lucian. <laughs> that Lucian that Lucian game was uh, did, uh, yeah, that was nuts. You want to see a clinic? You want to see an absolute clinic? Watch that, and watch. I mean, obviously, the the TF against Faker was an advantageous matchup for him. But you you want to talk about how to smash a matchup home? Uh, that guy is ruthlessly efficient. He's like a robot. You watch him play; he's like literally like a robot. I feel like I'm, it's it's nuts. Anyway, Chovy Love Withstanding. That's got to be the name of the episode, All right? <laughs> is if if nice the CEO? What's Chovy? The founder? He's too young to be the founder. He's like the COO. I, I think <laughs> I think because I think because he hasn't won his league yet right now, he's like, you know, he's on the chief board, but he's not he's not quite same level. Maybe like maybe like the a vice president or something yeah. even. Who knows? But we'll, we'll see. I, I think I would love to see I just want to. Oh man, I can't wait for Wolf to see them play each other. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see Chovy against all these people, like all, all these other mid lanes. Yeah, Chris, what do you think on this series? Is this too heavy handed, or do you think this is accurately priced for damn one? No, absolutely. When I first saw this, I was like, "Wow, this is crazy." Do they really look down on like? I, I can understand our chat in the Discord not liking PRX, but this is. I was expecting this to be maybe like a little under two hundred. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to be ball. I think we said that last week. It was going to be ballpark two hundred, like damn one minus two hundred against whoever, basically. But this is nuts. 
Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, do we all we all think Damwon probably win, right? They deserve to be favorites for sure. It's just this is nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. The line is just not. What's like so your what, what's yeah, your bottom hurts. limit? Like what's your bottom limit for taking Dragon X? That like plus two hundred area feels about right. That's like about where I, I'm really questioning it. If they if it's like minus two hundred plus two hundred, I think I have a hard time betting the series. Got it, got it. Uh, we'll briefly touch on the regional gauntlet because that starts on Monday. It's actually going to be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so we'll go through this pretty quickly because I think we all kind of feel the same way. Um, so, Afrika KT Rolster on Monday morning. This is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, for the regional gauntlet, and we'll know by Wednesday who's going to be the third representative for Korea at World. So, Afrika minus 200, KT plus 148 is the only line we have right now. I actually think KT Rolster are alive to win this match. Afrika had to do some yeah. playoff prep. KT have been sitting on the sidelines, brewing, creating some feisty game plan this whole time. Afrika did start to look like... a little bit vulnerable to these mid-table teams toward the end of the season, dropped a couple of dynamics. I think they dropped one to KT Rolster in the final week. This feels like a series where I would just take either of them at plus 150. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's kind of another situation where like I said before, when it gets to these playoff series, if you think the teams are kind of close, I usually would lean the underdog just because you don't know what the strategies come out that come out in the playoffs can just make a matchup nothing like you yep. thought. Like, how about that Cloud9 series with the Ezreal over yep. and over and over again? Like, you just didn't yep. expect that going into the series, and that happens all yep. the time. The Griffin series against T1, like I mentioned. So I, I tend to lean towards the underdog if they're if the price is decent and I think the teams are pretty yeah, close. I think this is also heavy-handed, but it's because Afrika were so dominant against everyone that wasn't the top four teams, I think. But I, I like KT Rolster here. The fact that they beat T1 probably played into this yeah. a lot. Beat them in the in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, any Afrika backers? Or are we all kind of on KT for the same reasons? I it, for some reason it just feels like it's been too long since I've seen KT play. Like that's, I forget even what this team is about, right? Yeah, so like I don't know. Uh, I don't. I just like don't really know how to handicap that because like obviously last time we saw Afrika play, they looked pretty good or did they play after the t1 yeah no, they, they did play remember because they got yeah. smoked <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> they no, lost, so like, they lost in like 75 minutes or something <laughs> in a playoff two match. times ago sorry so yeah that's right against Gen G, they got they got absolutely decimated yeah. but uh yeah i mean they looked okay at least against t1 and i don't know i feel like i've been on the kt side like all year but I, at the end of the day, like I do think Afrika probably have some more talented players at least. I just I just like, think the lines too throughout big. the roster. I do think Afrika probably win, yeah. but I think it should be like minus one fifty. Really? Yeah. I I don't. For me, like at the esports, like with the esports juice baked in, I feel like it's probably right because if you think a team's minus one fifty, then they're probably gonna be minus two hundred yeah, for this market at least. But yeah, I don't know. It, it seems almost unbettable to me. All right. Any we'll say I don't know. Let's say Afrika win this. They get T1 the ne- the next day. They get T1. The gauntlet is brutal, dude. <laughs> Running the gauntlet is so brutal. Um they get T1 the next day. Whoever wins this gets T1 the next day. Is anybody beating T1 out of these two? T1 did look a little bit shaky, maybe having some kind of identity crisis. I I, I don't see T1 losing to either of these teams though. 
Yeah, I think T1 probably beats them, and, and we get the matchup that everyone expected, which is probably Gen G against yeah. T1 in the in the finals of the gauntlet. Uh, so, I mean, what do we think the lines are going to be? I mean, T1's going to be like probably prohibitive favorites, right? Like, I don't want to back T1 as like a minus six hundred favorite. If it's like three fifty, maybe I'm in the conversation. Two fifty, I think, is where I want to yeah, see them against. I just either. don't think you're gonna maybe against KT slightly bigger. I just bigger, don't think but... you're going to see that. We'll see. I also kind of think that. Maybe like I don't know. Maybe the the telecom war angle of this. There's a little extra juice. To, I don't know. Mad. I'm just creating narratives out of thin air. Ignore me. <laughs> uh, and then how about with T1 against presumably Gen G? And T1 better show up for this one because man, that's that's their last chance. I think it Gen G might be favored by Gen, more than two. Gen G is going to be favored, I think, by a. Probably a decent amount. I would think probably. I'm gonna guess Gen G minus one seventy five. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, I think similar to like me. Uh, maybe yeah, minus one seventy five feels about right. T one usually get a lot of respect. What if it's Damwon? Just throwing it out there. We we all kind of think Dragon X yeah. is live. What if it's Dam? What if we get double Damwon Cloud Nine live. and Damwon doesn't make worlds? That would be wild. that would be, be like the a crime. That would be funny. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start Game pounding the table for adding two teams to the format if that's the case. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so it's if wild. Damwon lose. Who is not in the regional? If so, Dragon X have already clinched on championship points. If uh-huh. Damwon loses, right. they have to win the regional gauntlet because they don't have the championship points from Spring because they did not do well in Spring. <laughs> Yeah, if DRX beats them in the finals, then Gen G will actually qualify for Worlds on championship yeah. points, and Damwon will have to and go to the to, And Damwon will be the number three seed. Imagine that. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> imagine you're a play-in team. You're, you're, you're the Japanese. Probably Detonation Focus Me again, I think. You're the, the Japanese team. You have to face Damwon in your play-in stage. Well, they, luckily they get out of the play-in stage. Well, yeah, they, they got automatically seated. Yeah, never mind, never mind, never mind. Forget I said that. Uh the thing with T one is like this is this is what T one T one wins these series against all odds. They always do it. You always think to, it's like the we talked about it last week whether the Patriots. Everyone thinks they're dead or falling off a little bit this year, and it's like they're what's the Undertaker meme where he just sits up and it's <laughs> yeah yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, any other thoughts on who who do we think's getting out? Just gun to your head. We'll go down the line. Chris, who's getting out or who's who's not going to Worlds? This is making my head hurt. Um, yeah, T1. Josh. I'm going to go balls of the wall and say it's Dan 1. <laughs> wow, three different answers because I'm going to say Gen G's not going Wow, to I'm going to say So we got three different I'm answers here. One. Double. It, it's, I mean, hard. it's a legitimate it, it, argument, though. That's what's yeah, interesting about this. It all comes down to that. To the the game that's on Saturday or whatever, right? the damn one Dragon X for me at least. Because if I think if Dragon X wins that, then there's some lingering effects. But then obviously if Damon win it, then they're automatically in. And if Dragon X win it, then Genji's automatically I mean, in. So I'm trying to look the last time Damon lost a game. It was a while ago. I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But like any other any other thoughts on this one? I think it's T1 personally. Just like overall strength of team, I do think. I mean, it wouldn't none of, none of these results would surprise me, but Faker comes in in game five. Just 
has the big, biggest performance yeah, of the year, like carries the team to Worlds, gets, gets himself back in the Worlds vignette. Gets in his ear, uh, Pentakill or some nonsense like that. Absolutely, Let's dude. See. Closer plays the first four games. They bring in Faker for game five, gets a Pentakill. T1 goes Damn to one haven't lost a series since July 11th. That's almost two months ago. <laughs> That's insane. It's like 50-plus days. That's what's scary With to these me kind of teams, about this right? team. Yeah, because that was how Cloud9 was, and then they started losing, yep. and then they just fell fell way down. Dude, you, know? you see the same thing so. in the NFL every year, too. The teams that go like 14-2, yep. and two, same thing. They've lost one game since then. That's crazy. All right. Um yeah, so the, the LCK going, that's going to be wild on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, as well as the finals on Saturday. LEC, we have G2 against Rogue in the Losers Bracket semifinals. What a world, right? G2 minus 400. Dude, this is this is, this is tugging at my heartstrings, because I actually think there's value on Rogue, and I think Rogue's legitimate. But I also know that like G2's not losing this series, right? I have this thing that I'm going to use for this series. Because Rogue's at plus 269. G2 hasn't looked super strong. Rogue just had a great series. But I have a little something that I'm going to call thank you equity. <laughs> no, no no, team in the world has ever has made me more money than G2. G2 coming off a no loss, team. dude, every time. <laughs> G2 in the history of League of Legends has made me more money than any other team by a long way. And so until somebody beats them in this spot, I'm just not betting against them. Thank you, G2. Yeah. It's called thank you, Equity. And I'm not betting against them in this spot because they've just made me so much money that I'm just not going to get it. all. I'm going to get twisted in a knot trying to figure this out, dude. Like, I, <laughs> like just looking at it now, it's like... We said it last week, right? Something, 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 yada, yada, yada. But it's G2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That might be the name of the episode, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they lost the Mad Lions in the spring playoffs in I the mean, first round, and then pop right back and won everything. So it's just it's just G two. God damn it! Like I don't. I want this to be bettable. That's the, maybe it is. Maybe you take Rogue money line and G two minus one point five or something. But knowing G two, maybe they clown around for two games and reverse sweep it. Like that wouldn't even surprise me either. Like, ugh. I do like that Rogue made a statement last week, like, 100%. Like, Rogue is like, we're not just taking our world seat and sitting on it. Like, we're treating this shit seriously. So, and they showed some new looks last week, which was interesting. That was the big thing for me. That was huge. We got to see something that this team has not done all season, and they looked very good doing it to just show you that, like, maybe they're, They're you know, and you've been saying it for a while, they're not a one-dimensional team, really. They were just playing what was working for them. But they showed you right there, you know, what normally worked for us didn't work against Fnatic. Here's something else. And they came out and blew out. Yeah, they're also just good. Like, I think think it gets lost because, like, they're the least exciting. But they're just a good team. Ah, this is tough. Larson is, Larson is 2020 cat. Larson is a savage. He's, like, the guy who showed up this season and just is blowing everybody out of the water. Yeah, he's some kind of freak of nature. He's really, really good. Newsflash. Um... (laughs) Yeah, this is tough, right? Chris, what do you think on this one? Uh, I think at the end of the day, it has to be G2. I think this game might be a little more exciting than I initially thought because, you know, nobody wants to give Rogue a chance, but this team is good. It's great. Just 
think G2 figures it out. This one... It's going to be an exciting series. It's going to be a stylistic difference between these. Yeah, teams. I think this is this is this is probably just going to be a popcorn game for me because I don't I don't like I I think the value is definitely on Rogue, but I also just I can just feel it in my bones that G two's there's no way G two's losing this series, right? But I don't know. Like they're already at World, so who the hell knows? Maybe they don't care. Like I don't I don't know. Maybe Wonder has a, a raid to get to. Yankos has a raid to get to. <laughs> like I don't know, but. That's a good angle to mention with this G2 team. Like, yeah, we're all vegan, but... I mean, that would be very on-brand for G2, right? <laughs> I don't know. But it, it is... Uh, how many how many splits on the line for them? They're in a Yeah, that's right true. Now. Maybe Rogue Game 1 is the play. I don't know. We'll see. This is definitely interesting. I think you could make arguments either way. So... Did I not fix this? I ignore this. This is not real. I just this. I just didn't delete that. Uh, so Sunday, it's going to be the grand finals. Fnatic against whoever wins this series. So Fnatic against G two. It's just G two wins. Puts them back in their place. G two are probably going to be favorites, right? If we get G two anything remotely close to even money, it's just like back the Brinks truck up, dude. I agree. Because I, I, th- I actually think. I want G2 against Fnatic. I think G2... I would like G2 way more against Fnatic than against Rogue in this spot, believe it or not. Because G2 are the kind of team, it's like Michael Jordan status, I feel like, where it's like, they'll create a reason to hate Fnatic. And they don't need it. They have plenty of them, right? And they're going to elevate against Fnatic. They don't give a shit about Rogue. So I could see them overlooking Rogue and losing, but if they get to the finals, I don't see... They're, they're not losing to Fnatic. I hope we get another barn burner like the one we saw. That how good was that series, by the way? Oh my god, it was entertaining as hell. What if what if Rogue yeah, gets was, there? Yeah. Um, oh man, that that's yeah. tough if Rogue gets back there again. But I, I think Fnatic probably wins if Rogue gets back there. They're again. probably going to be slight favorites, right? Like minus one fifty something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, they did just 3-0 yeah. not that long ago, so. Well, they might be heavy. If they're heavier favorites than that, I'm interested in Rogue all of a sudden. Because I, I, I think, I mean, that's another big picture topic we could talk about another time. But, like, 3-0s, it takes a congruence of events for a 3-0 to happen. Unless the teams are wildly different. Like, you shouldn't take that much from a good team 3-0ing another good team. Unless the other team just looked like absolute dog shit. Right? But you shouldn't take too much from that because it takes a certain congruence of, like, overperformance and underperformance a lot of the time for a 3-0 to happen. Or just, like, a weird read on a metagame or a weird read on the draft, right? So don't overthink the 3-0. Uh, LCS? Liquid against TSM on Saturday and loser semis. <laughs> what a, Again, what a weird world we live in, right? <laughs> uh, Liquid are minus 227 against TSM. I... Can't believe I'm gonna do it, but I'm betting TSM here. I think. So this is this is the hardest series of the entire yeah. weekend for me because my initial thought was TSM and get the money on TSM. But the more that I think about it, Tactical has been playing very well. Core JJ is probably the best support in the league, and TSM when they struggled, I called their last win because they struggle against good yeah. bot lanes. That's why they struggled against Golden Guardians. Um, but didn't struggle against yeah. C9 because Ben is trash. Apparently, so they apparently, <laughs> apparently, by the way, because 
I've been saying it for yeah. like two years. Ven's trash. But anyway, like I think they really struggle against good bot lanes. I think that's what's really killing them. And so even though my first thought was TSM, I'm actually going to go with Liquid. I think that Liquid's bot lane is what's going to matter. I think Jensen's been playing very well lately and can hold, at least hold off Bjergsen. And the top lane's kind of irrelevant for this matchup, I think, as far as these two teams go. In the jungle, I think both the guys are playing about the same level. I think Speak is playing yeah. just fine. I don't think he's a problem. He's playing about the same level I expect of Broxa. I think the big difference maker, honestly, is going to be the bottom lane. I think Tactical I think and Core JJ are going to beat up differs on mid-diff, right? Yep, and I'm going to take, actually, my pick of the week, TL minus 1.5 okay. at plus 1.12. We're going to clash on that one, I think. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, this is a really tough one. Josh, what do you think on this one? I just got rugged. I just got rugged. I bet TL minus one and a half, like, on Monday. Yeah, it was an absolute smash bot for me. I don't think it's even going to be I close. Uh, I, do, I, I mean, I'm, this is coming from a person who just bet TSM to win against Cloud9 Moneyline straight up. Um, and I don't think I, – I just don't think they can – to be fair, I also bet TL minus one and a half against FlyQuest. So really my logic is if I can get TL minus one and a half against FlyQuest, who I think is equal if not better than TSM, then I'm going to take the same thing against TSM. Um, so that that's really where I was at. I kind of just think these two TL are the same game. team. I, don't, I think that is like I, – I think Liquid is levels, levels I, I above think TSM. Liquid, I think Liquid are slightly better. I do. I think they're more consistent. I think they make fewer mistakes. But – Neither of these teams is really smashing anything. They're not, you know, pushing advantages home big time. Nothing like that. Like I could see Bjerg I could see Bjergsen I mean I could see the bottom lane taking over two games. I could see the mid lane taking over two games. Like I'll be honest with you, like I think the top lane is weird because I think both of these guys have been kind of under I think Impact has actually been a little bit underperforming for me. I I don't expect that to continue, by the way, but I just think the number's too big. I think Liquid deserve to be favorites, but and, and I, you know me, like I am not a fan of this TSM team really, but I don't know. I just think the number's a little too big. I like TSM here. I think, I think I said this last week, but I still think TL is like the most disrespected team I, in the I world. I do think. In here's general. the thing. I do think they're disrespected. I actually think all three of these teams. I think especially Liquid and FlyQuest. They just they're just good fundamental teams. I think TSM are getting there which is another reason I kind of like them in this spot is because they're actually like peaking at the right time. They're actually playing. I think they're playing like their best league right now, which I mean, I guess you could argue, you could make the argument that it's not sustainable or that they're not going to continue that. That's fine. I don't know. I, I don't hate, I don't hate the team liquid selection here. I just, I, I think, I think the number is just a little rich. That's all. I'm going to take TSM. Chris. This is def- this is I think this is actually like the hardest one to call this weekend. This one is close. I think uh fun too with the you know tactical Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about uh, that angle. We got the storyline too. We got them back because, you know, I think TL has uh won both of their matchup in the summer so. against them. I can check I can check. Uh, keep and, going. and so this this gives TSM plenty of motivation. They- they're playing well in the LCS level lately, like more than I want to give them credit for. I think this should be a closer one. Maybe not that much different. Um, with that said, I am taking Liquid Moneyline on this Yeah, one. I think that's totally reasonable. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe this is just a little bit too much gut speaking. I don't know. Just feels I don't know. Feels TSM to me. Uh, they they yeah. Liquid did win both regular season series or games, not series, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay. So one ahead. thing, one thing I wanted to add about TL is like I don't know if it felt like just anyone else, but it definitely seemed like they were like limit testing, trying new things out a lot last yeah. week. Like first game, obviously a is strong right now, but like you Blind, wouldn't really yeah. think Blind a is, is, is a TL. T- it's not a thing for them. Yeah, you're right. It's not a TL thing. And then they ran out Zyra, I think, a couple of games. Um, Jensen was on a different champion every single game. He played Akali. He played Kogma. Like just like they're for what it's worth. Like game five was like one of the most standard TL comps you could ever think of. Like it was uh, let's see Orn Volibear. Azir, uh, Bard, Ash, like super standard, and they got their yeah. butts kicked. But I do think in some of the games before that, that they were a bit limit testing yeah. and trying new things out on stage. So I'm not reading much into that. Yeah, no, series so, well. I actually think they played like really well despite having some weird yeah, drafts. I, keep in mind, like, I guess to, just to clarify, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that I like TSM because they lost either. Like, I, I'm actually not putting too much oh, yeah, yeah. on that. Cause to me, there weren't that many alarms. Yeah. Like, there weren't that many red flags in that series or anything. No. It's just that I think these teams are closer than they are. That's all. So, it's like, I don't, like, that last series isn't the reason I'm off liquid in this spot. Yeah, I didn't mean you you at all. I was just, I just more so just wanted to talk about it because I think that, that that's going to be a, a recency thing going into worlds that people will, will maybe, you know, reflect yeah, 100%. to. Uh, so I, that's and it's definitely worth mentioning because there are a lot of people that will look into that kind of thing and think that way. So, um, I really, really like the over three and a half here, a lot. And I so I got crucified on map total bets. I've been absolutely destroyed on them over the course of the calendar year, but I have been a lot better recently. I've only missed on one in the playoffs. And this feels like it's like a, there's no. I don't think either team three O's here. You might think Liquid probably have a good chance to three zero. I, I just think when you have two teams that are similar like this, and they're both drafting pretty well right now when they want to, when they're not limit testing, I don't see them limit testing in a spot like this. Um, they both just kind of draft the same things. That's that's the other thing with this is like, I, I just look at these teams as like it's like Diet Coke and Coke. But, like, I don't think the diet tastes that much worse. I guess this is the way I'm putting it. You might think the diet tastes yeah. a lot worse. That's the way I'm looking at this series. So, I I definitely think there's not going to be a 3-0. So, give me, give me the – I'll actually – I'll lay the 3-12 on the over three and a half maps. I feel pretty good about that. Um, FlyQuest gets the winner of that series in, in finals. They get to watch a series – uh, we talked a little bit about this in the Discord, but it's it's a really interesting dynamic getting the so the the finalist has to prepare, and we have the same thing in Europe. The finalist has to prepare for both teams over the course of the week. The you have to think that the people in semifinals are preparing like lopsided, like eighty twenty or seventy five, or maybe they're just preparing like a blank plan for the weekend, like a set plan for the weekend. Um. There's uh, there's definitely some degree of that that happens, and that I think that's kind of that's definitely an edge to the team that's in finals in both cases. But I I also think that like we've been playing on this patch for long enough that I think it's reasonable that you have time in a week to prepare for both. So it shouldn't it's not like a huge advantage, but I definitely think there's like a slight edge to the team that makes finals in this situation. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. 
it's kind of weird preparing for two best of fives back to back days, right? Could be completely different teams. I think in this case, it's not really. You can kind of have similar game plans against both. I think TSM are actually a little yeah. weirder to prepare against, right? Because of Bjergsen. Well, yeah, you have the Zillion mid or the, whatever he pulls off there. Um, but overall, these three teams, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you change that drastically in preparation. So yeah, I think I think. Uh, what do we think? FlyQuest is going to be in finals. FlyQuest going to be favorites in finals. A small favorite, in my opinion. What about FlyQuest against Liquid, Josh? What do you think? Liquid probably favorites. Yeah, I think TL will be favorites. Probably like, I would guess like minus one sixty. Yeah, maybe something like that. <laughs> I think FlyQuest might win this league, dude. How crazy is that? I hope Liquid wins. I have Liquid Futures. but <laughs> um, So I hope I'm wrong about TSM, kind of, a little bit. But I guess we'll find out. Uh, do you, I mean, I think FlyQuest is totally live to win this league, legit, against either of these teams. I think they're just playing really, really good, like just good, solid League of Legends right now. And I don't know if either of these teams is going to particularly blow it out of the water. So I think we should get a good final, regardless of who makes it. Any other comments on North America? Any thoughts on the LPL? We didn't really get too much time to talk about the LPL uh, reps. Oh yeah, but did we get a chance to yeah, recap? Yeah, I, I guess you know, did we do? We didn't do like any kind of real recap of it, but uh, we got a hell of a finals. Those are really good finals between Top and JDG. Man, they went to game five again, right? Silver scraped that one out, and it was not Lumao that came out on yeah, top not this, this time. time. Um, I think uh, TS impressed me because they didn't look that great going into the playoffs, but when they got there, they, no, the, the, you know, don't get me wrong, they had to fight tooth and nail to get it to game five, and that just speaks well to how JDG still plays at a higher level. Um, but I'm 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 happy for uh, TS. I'm happy for yeah. Knight, his first ever split championship. Yuanja getting and... his rookie year. I thought three six nine mm-hmm. was an absolute monster in these playoffs. Like like both series they played, he was an absolute savage. We so three six nine has a bit of a history of he's a pretty well rounded player. Uh, he's not like I don't put him on the same level as like these truly elite top laners, but he is probably the best of the rest, and he's also very versatile. But, dude, he played some of these carry champions just out of his mind in these playoffs, and we did not see a whole lot of that. Like, they weren't, they just weren't playing that during summer. I don't know if they were sandbagging it or, or just didn't want to show things for the second half because they jumped out to, like, a 9-0 start or was it 8-1 start, whatever they did. But we didn't get to see a whole lot of that, and it was starting to get concerning. But seeing him just come out and just bust these picks out and just dominate on them was definitely a good look for them, and I, I'm a lot more optimistic about their their prospects at Worlds now because I was starting to get a little concerned that they were a little too one-dimensional. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, also Carsa just playing like at a Worlds-level yeah. Carsa we haven't seen in a while since RNG, those RNG days. And, uh, you know, outplaying Kanavi is a hard thing to do, but it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it, was, it was definitely a good final. Um, and then the – oh, my God. I, I don't even want to talk about the sadness. I don't even want to talk about the Invictus sadness. I don't even want to talk about it. 
I, I really just hate. I really just hate yeah. LGD, and it's it's really unfortunate because for whatever reason, it just seems like LGD had that team's number. I don't know what happened there. LGD played really well. I want to give them credit, but I. Oh, that team just drives me nuts. That team's everything I hate about season ten League of Legends. But I guess it's kind of cool. It's going to be cool to see them against international competition. I guess. I think ZA making his second world appearance. I think he's been there before with somebody else. Yeah, World Elite. Like, I think. Hasn't made it in a while. Four years ago. Yeah. Any years other thoughts on the LPL? It's, I think it's a huge bummer that Invictus didn't go, and I really hate that LGD is going. But other than that, I don't have. Neither of the past two champions going. That is pretty, pretty wild. wild. Um, just crazy. But that was just an insane underperformance by Invictus, man. Like, ugh. Lose a sour taste in my mouth. Pick of the week. Who wants to start? I'll start for John. John's taking Liquid minus one and a half and plus one twelve. He kind of already talked about this one. Uh, John had to take off real quick, so uh, we're gonna finish it up without him. Uh, who wants to go next? I'm gonna write down the listener one. Yeah. Fast. Uh, it's really hard slim pickings to find uh, plus value at times. I mean, the easiest one would probably be the KT over Africa, but uh, since I am not too confident, I'm going to say whoever it's going to be uh, pick the maps under three and a half. That sits at plus two hundred. So basically, you cut off there, Chris. Your sound cut out. So basically, just means sweep, right? A sweep needs to happen. Yeah, either pick. either way. Okay. Josh, how about you? Yeah, I liked the TL minus one and a half quite a bit. Um, I actually am showing a better line on this on the second piece, but I, I just decided to toss it in a parlay. Um, I see Damwon DRX over three and a half. Um, on the book I'm looking at is actually minus 195, which is phenomenal value, I think, there um, for these two teams. Like we said, are very close in, in talent. So I love that, but I'm just going to toss it in a parlay with the TL minus one and a half, and it gets you to about plus uh, plus 205, I believe. That sounds pretty good. I'm going to go – I maybe should start making an exception on these, like, short weeks where there's only, like, three matches that we can go a little above the limit, you know? Because I, re- I really do think, like, the over three and a half in Liquid TSM is just, like, a, a lock. I know you don't because you think Liquid's live to sweep it, but – I'm actually, I'm going to go with a parlay for the first time this season. I think uh, I'm going to go TL TSM over three and a half maps, and I'm going to go KT Afrika over three and a half maps. Uh, and together, that's going to give you ballpark minus one twenty eight. So that's what I'm going to go with, and that's going to be my pick of the week. I'm just on fire, by the way. I don't know if you guys. Saw. I mean, it's not. I'm not taking crazy plus money picks, but I'm I'm kind of red hot. Uh, the listeners missed again last week. Uh, it was it, last week yeah, was apparently did. parlay week because three, three out of the five picks were parlays last week, and I think G two blew up all of them. So, up oh, no, it didn't blow up John's, but it blew up the rest of them. So, um, I was the only one that hit last week. E. You are the yeah, chosen of this show. Like something like it's that. Curious. There's been plenty of weeks where it's somebody hits, and so. Uh, listener pick of the week this week is from at DFS Chan to, and he says, Map One Damwon Gaming first tower at minus one seventy five. Uh, I'm all about this. Damwon had almost a ninety percent first tower rate over the course of the season. 
minus one seventy five is actually very very good value, uh, all things considered. Keep in mind with these tower props and a lot of these like uh, neutral objective props, there's you're live to get some trade. You know, there's just trades that happen. Maybe they trade Herald for first, you know, Dragon for first tower, etc. A lot of that kind of thing happens. But if you want a team to get first tower, damn one with a team to do it. Minus one seventy five is actually pretty good. So that's going to be the listener pick of the week. And I guess I'll just do like a brief recap and then we'll get out of here. So I think on the season, we are a combined 55 and 53 for plus 9.96 units. I'm at 19 and 9. John's at 13 and 15. Chris, 7 and 18. Calvin was 6 and 4. Josh is at 10 and 7. The listeners are 1 and 4, and our guests are 0 and 1. Going to be hoping to get that changed soon. I think we're going to try to have a couple guests on before World starts up. I think we're going to have some fun doing that. Um, anything else, guys? Anything going on outside of you guys gearing up for football season? I know all, I, all three of us are, are kind of football nuts outside of this, too. So I'm, like, cautiously optimistic. I'm trying not to get too too hyped up because I don't know how this is going to go. But definitely uh, got the juices flowing a little bit for the, the old uh, – what do they call it? What's the goofy ball? Oh my god, round ball. <laughs> goofy ball? Yeah. Uh, any 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 uh, any any thoughts? Any fantasy football advice for the players out there? Uh, don't do zero RB. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite to go into, but I did a mock draft and it is. Stupid deep and wide receiver that it's like there's no point. I, I'm not. I'm never the one to take tight end first round. I just, yeah. It just doesn't appeal to me at all. Isn't it funny how that that's come full circle? How it used to be like zero RB was like the niche, like hipster thing to do. And if you were ahead of the curve by a couple years on that, you gained so much value. It was insane. And then like eventually, everyone's just like, wait a minute. If everyone's doing this, then you can kind of pivot and just grab these stud running backs from cheap. So. Telling you, man, NFL meta. NFL meta change is real. Listen, anytime someone tells you, and everyone right now is saying this, that you need to zig, the optimal answer is always to zag. So when everyone in the industry is telling you that that RB robust is the way to go, you just go zero RB. I literally drafted, I think, five straight wide receivers in my first draft, and it's Still phenomenal if you know you have to just know going in your RB targets that you can't let fall. So like if you want to go zero RB, you have to make sure every roster you want to go zero RB, you have to get yep. James White. So if you see running backs flying off and you know team, someone might draft you, you have to reach for him if you have to. But you can still end up like I did a I literally did a draft yesterday, uh, and albeit it was a dynasty, I ended up my starting my my three wide receivers are Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Odo Beckham Jr. So, listen, I don't give a crap about who the hell I could have got a running back because those are just monsters. So, like, there there are situations like that that will present itself. So, always never, never, like, handicap yourself. Let the draft fall to you, and then if you end up in a zero RB spot, take it. But uh, it all comes down to where what falls you in rounds one and two, really, because all those guys are studs. Yeah. Just like in TFT, which has a new set, which I kind of want to go play in a little bit. So. <laughs> any any thoughts on the new TFT set? I haven't I looked at it much. I've been I've been balding really bad. <laughs> I I hemorrhaged a lot of LP, so I, I'm 
Uh, I'm like Max. I feel like I had a good hang, and then I don't know what happened. So we'll see. Next set does look cool from what I've seen on Twitch and whatnot. So I'm not going to play any yet. But all right, I think that's going to be it for us. Uh, Enjoy the finals matches and semifinal matches this weekend. We're going to have the gauntlet on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Don't forget about that either. Should be an awesome, entertaining weekend. I think they're all going to be pretty good matches. A lot of teams, all world's representatives potentially. We'll see. Except for one LCK team. So. It's kind of a little bit of a preview for what we're going to be seeing there. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be getting prepped for Worlds, helping you guys get to know all these teams. We're probably going to have some guests on to talk shop with us and mix things up a little bit. And uh, maybe it's a little something special cooked up, too. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, everybody enjoy the weekend, and we'll see you guys on the other side. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.